Section forty of the Mysteries of London, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mysteries of London, Volume three, by George W. M. Reynolds. Section forty. Continuation of the History of Jacob Smith. I now come to an important event in my life. In fact, that portion of it which will account for this sickly condition of health in which you see me old death one evening took me with him to supper at a place where he had never introduced me before this was bunce's in earl street seven dials mrs bunce immediately seemed to take a great fancy to me made me sit next to her and in spite of her meanness helped me to the best of everything on table it was a very good supper for old death who provided it had declared that he meant to launch out for once but i suppose it was only to put me into such a good humour that i was more than likely to fall into the scheme which he had in view this was not however the reason of mrs bunce's kindness because since then she has often treated me in a manner that has made me forget many a sorrow it is true that these likings only take her by fits and starts and she has not unfrequently used me cruelly enough i can scarcely make that woman out as far as i am concerned and there are moments when i think a great deal of any kind words she has ever uttered to me or any kind treatment she has ever shown me but i am wandering from the subject which i had entered upon you remember that i was telling you about the supper at bunce's house well after the things were cleared away and the grog was going round pretty fast i used to drink then as much as a man although little more than ten years old old death began to talk a great deal about the money that might be made by a clever lad like me being able to get admittance into the houses of rich people he went on to say that i should begin to think of doing business that would leave me more time to amuse myself and be also less dangerous than going about the streets picking pockets i assured him that i was heartily sick and tired of the life i was leading and that i wished i was old enough to be a housebreaker for said i a cracksman does have some time which he can call his own if he does only one job a week he is satisfied but i am obliged to gad about all day to get the means of living on the next besides said i i am of course running a thousand times more risk by doing so many jobs each day than i should if i only did one or two a week note seventeen everybody must have his apprenticeship returned old death and you have now served yours i agree with you that it is high time for you to be doing something better and i have a plan ready chalked out for you mrs bunce mixed me another glass of grog i produced my short pipe and blew a cloud while old death explained his scheme at first i did not much relish it but he backed it with so many arguments that i agreed to try it and sure enough at six o'clock one morning a few days afterwards a boy black as a devil with soot-bag over his shoulder and brush and scraper in his hand was making the round of bloomsbury square bawling sweep as lustily as he could that boy was myself presently a garret window opened and a female voice called me to stop i obeyed in a few minutes down came the cook to the front door and i was desired to walk in and operate on the kitchen chimney the cook was a fat middle-aged good-natured body and asked me a great many questions about myself how long i had been a sweep how it happened that i became one whether i had any father or mother 
and a host of such queries to all of which i replied in the most sorrowful manner possible i assured her that i had been a sweep from infancy that i had swept a chimney when i was only five years old that i had no parents that my master beat me cruelly and that i had nothing to eat since the morning before the good creature shed tears at my narrative and when i had swept the chimney which i did in a manner that scarcely bore out the assertion of my long experience she gave me a quantity of broken victuals in addition to the money earned i then took my departure having very quietly deposited half a dozen silver forks and spoons in my soot-bag while her back was turned this business i carried on successfully enough for some months till at last old death told me that he had seen several paragraphs in the papers warning people against thefts committed by sweeps i therefore gave up the employment and once more took refuge in st giles but my health was seriously injured by the occupation i had just renounced and from that time i have always been ailing and sickly although i had seldom turned sweep more than twice a week and an hour after each robbery that i thus committed was as clean again as if i had never been near a chimney in my life yet the seeds of disease were planted in me and i feel the effects here here in my chest the life that i led when i gave up the chimney-sweep business did not certainly tend to improve my health i hired a room in st giles and took a girl into keeping i being then eleven and she thirteen of all the profligate creatures peggy wilkins was the worst the moment she awoke in the morning she must have her half-quartern of gin and then she would go on drinking at short intervals all day long if i attempted to stop the supplies she would fly into the most dreadful passions break everything she could lay her hands on or else throw the domestic articles at my head when tipsy she would loll half naked out of the window and chaff the people passing in the street in the evening she went to the penny concerts or penny theatres and generally come home so gloriously drunk that the entire house much less our little room would scarcely hold her you may wonder why i continued to live with her but the fact is i liked her in spite of her outrageous conduct and as i was sometimes very dull and low her noisy rackety disposition positively helped to put me into good spirits she knew nothing of my connection with old death but she was aware that i was laying hid in st giles in consequence of having robbed houses disguised as a sweep and she used to laugh heartily when i told her several amusing anecdotes relative to that portion of my career one night after having lived about a month in idleness in the holy land i was compelled by the falling short of supplies to call at bunces in seven dials for the purpose of seeing old death after waiting there a short time he came in and i immediately noticed that his face was more serious than usual a certain sign that he had something new on hand i did not however venture to ask any questions for i still stood in the greatest awe of him and knew that his disposition was irritable and easy to be provoked at length he said to mrs bunce give that lad a good strong glass of grog he's shivering with cold i was not but i took the grog because i never refused spirits at that time when old death thought i was primed enough to embrace any new plan with eagerness he said jacob i have something for you to do that i am convinced will yield a good harvest i instantly became all attention there's a widow lady he continued 
living at the west end in a swell street and by all i can learn she is very well off she is also very charitable and belongs to a number of what's called religious societies and i am sure you could get into her house as easy as possible the chimney-sweep business has well-nigh blown over if not quite and it's high time to begin a new dodge he then explained his plan and i agreed to adopt it when i got back to my lodgings in st giles i found peggy sitting in company with a young fellow of about fifteen drinking raw spirits she had not expected me home so early and was for a moment quite taken aback but soon recovering herself she put a good face on the matter and introduced the young chap as her brother saying that she had not seen him for many years before that evening when she had met him by accident i pretended to believe her but the moment he was gone i gave her a good beating and overwhelmed her with reproaches she showed less spirit than i had expected and did not attempt to return the blows neither did she treat me with sulkiness or ill-humour on the following evening at about nine o'clock i very quietly laid myself down on the doorsteps of a house in old burlington street i was in such rags and tatters as to be almost naked and having pricked my feet with a pointed bit of wood in several places they were almost covered with blood as if chapped with the cold and cut by the sharp stones this was in the depth of winter and my appearance was most miserable presently a carriage drove up to the house and a fine tall elderly gentleman got out i was crouched up close by the threshold of the door and i purposely let him tread on one of my naked feet then i began to sob as if with pain and he now observed me for the first time he muttered an oath but at that instant the front door opened and his manner changed directly he spoke kindly to me and put half a crown into my hand a lady was crossing the hall while the door stood open and this gentleman was still speaking to me and she immediately turned to ascertain what was the matter here's a poor wretched creature said the gentleman who was so huddled up against the door that i did not observe him and i am afraid i trod on his leg somewhat heavily the lady instantly spoke in the most compassionate terms and desired that i might be brought into the house the man-servant raised me for i affected to be unable to walk and the lady said poor boy he is paralyzed with the cold when i was moved into the hall and placed in a chair the state of my feet were observed and this increased the compassion i had already excited she ordered the servant to take me into the kitchen and give me a good supper while i warmed myself by the fire all these commands were immediately executed shoes and stockings were also supplied me and in the course of an hour the lady herself came down to speak to me she asked me who i was i told her a long and piteous tale already prepared for the occasion how i had been apprenticed to a tradesman at liverpool and had undergone the most dreadful treatment because i refused to work on the lord's day and insisted on my right to go to church how the cruelty of my master had increased to such an extent that i was obliged to run away how i had wandered about the country for the last two months subsisting on charity but often half starved how i had that morning found my way to london and had been obliged to sell my shoes for a penny to buy a roll which was all i had eaten during thirty-six hours but that i had an aunt who was a housekeeper to a certain bishop and that i knew she would do all she could for me 
the lady seemed to eye me suspiciously until i spoke of the aunt and the bishop and then her countenance instantly changed in my favour well my poor lad she said you shall remain here to-night and the first thing to-morrow morning one of my servants shall take a message from you to your aunt i of course expressed my gratitude for this kindness but the lady assured me that she required no thanks as heaven rewarded her for what she did towards her suffering fellow-creatures i really thought that there was something very much like what i and my usual associates were accustomed to call a gammon in all this and then i actually reproached myself for the idea and began to repent of imposing on so much virtue and goodness when i was well warmed with the cheerful fire and plentiful supper the housekeeper of this lady conducted me to a little room on the top story and having wished me a good night retired locking the door behind her but this did not give me much uneasiness for beneath my rags i had concealed the necessary means to counteract such a precaution accordingly about an hour after i had heard the servants withdraw to their bedrooms which were on the same floor as the ones where i was placed and when i thought the house was all quiet i took off the lock of the door by means of a little turnscrew and crept carefully downstairs just at that minute the clock struck eleven my intention was to visit the drawing-room first but when i reached the door i perceived there were lights within i listened and heard the gentleman and lady talking together oh ho thought i i shall have time to inspect the lady's bedroom first and perhaps secure her jewels so naturally conceiving that this chamber must be the one immediately over the drawing-room i retraced my way upstairs and entered the front apartment on the second floor a rushlight was burning in the room but no one was there i lost no time in commencing my search in all the cupboards but i found nothing except clothes there was however a mahogany press which was fast locked i drew forth a small skeleton key and was about to use it when i was alarmed by footsteps in the passage in another moment i was safely concealed under the bed some one almost immediately afterwards entered the room and only closed the door without shutting it i dared not move even to peep from beneath the drapery that hung round the bed to the floor but i could tell by the rustling of silk and the unlacing of stays that the person in the room was undressing herself and i felt satisfied it was the lady of the house i was now seriously alarmed she was evidently going to bed and my only chance of escaping from the chamber was when she should be asleep but might i not disturb her my situation was very unpleasant and a prison seemed to open before my eyes in about a quarter of an hour the lady stepped into bed how i longed to catch the first sound that should convince me she was asleep but she was not dreaming of closing her eyes yet a while for scarcely had she laid herself down when the door was gently opened then carefully closed again and another person evidently without shoes or boots on came into the room they said a few words to each other and to my astonishment i found that the gentleman who had arrived in his carriage which of course had been sent away was going to pass an hour in company with a charitable lady well thought i this is the way in which heaven rewards her for all she does towards her suffering fellow-creatures the gentleman undressed himself and got into bed nearly two hours instead of an hour passed away very pleasantly it seemed for the lady and gentleman 
and very much to my amusement i was now no longer under any alarm on account of myself for i had learnt a secret which placed the lady in my power well the gentleman got up at last and dressed himself and the lady went downstairs with him to bolt the street door after him their movements were so cautious that i could plainly perceive the servants must have fancied that the gentleman had gone away long before and that this care was taken to avoid disturbing them with any noise likely to excite suspicion the moment the lady had left the room with her lover i thought of beating a retreat but should i go empty-handed no and yet i had not time to force open the mahogany press which i believe must contain her jewels before she would come back as she had gone down in her night-clothes i therefore resolved to stay where i was and accomplish my purpose when she was asleep because if matters did come to the worst and she should awake she dared not expose me so i laid quiet and she came back in a few minutes shivering with the cold for i could hear her teeth actually chatter half an hour afterwards she was fast asleep as i could tell by her deep and regular breathing the rushlight still burnt in the room and i crept carefully from beneath the bed yes she was sleeping and though not a young woman she appeared very beautiful but i had not a minute to lose my skeleton key was again at work the bolt of the lock flew back and the door of the press moved on its hinges move yes and creak too most awfully so that the lady started up in bed and uttered a faint scream i instantly rushed up to her saying in a low but determined tone madam not a word or i betray you and your lover by the feeble light of the candle i saw that she became as red as crimson yes madam i continued your tricks are known to me and i have been all the while concealed under this bed you she exclaimed why surely you are the poor boy that i received into the house this evening to be sure i am ma'am was my answer and being troubled with a habit of sleep-walking i found my way to this room but what were you doing at the bureau merely examining it in my sleep ma'am this is ridiculous she said impatiently i understand what you are but i will treat you well on condition that you do not mention to a soul what you have been witness of this night i have no interest in gossiping ma'am and were you to do so i can deny all you may state added the lady who was dreadfully excited and nervous as you may suppose but if you follow my directions i will reward you well i readily gave a promise to that effect she then took a reticule from a chair by the side of the bed and drawing out her purse emptied its contents into my hands at a rapid glance i saw there could not be less than fifteen or sixteen sovereigns besides a little silver she then took from her bag a bank-note for twenty pounds which she also gave me i secured the money about my person and she asked me whether i was satisfied i said perfectly then stand aside for a few moments and i will show you how to act i stepped behind the curtain while she rose and put on a dressing-gown having done which she took the rushlight in her hand and desired me to follow her as noiseless as possible we went down into the kitchen where she told me to take all the cold victuals there were in the larder and she gave me a napkin to wrap them up in there happened to be a silver spoon in one of the dishes left there most probably by accident 
this she also desired me to take and you may be sure i did not refuse these arrangements being made she led me to the front door and having reminded me of my promise not to talk about a certain affair let me out of the house i have no doubt that there was a great deal said next morning in old burlington street about the ungrateful lad who was taken in as an object of charity and who decamped in the middle of the night with the contents of the larder and a silver spoon into the bargain but you have not mentioned the name of this lady jacob interrupted tom rain i did not think it was worth while sir as she used me very well still i have a very particular reason for wishing to be informed on that head said the highwayman oh if that's the case i shall not hesitate replied jacob the name of that lady was mrs slingsby i thought so from the very first moment you began to speak of her cried tom and the name of the gentleman did you learn that yes sir answered the lad i heard the servants talking about him when i was in the kitchen his name was let me see oh yes i remember sir henry courtenay thank you jacob exclaimed tom then in a low musing tone he said poor clarence you are woefully deceived in your saint of an aunt shall i continue my story mr rainford asked jacob it will not last much longer now by all means go on my boy i would sit here till daylight sooner than miss the end thus encouraged jacob continued in the following manner note seventeen every juvenile delinquent is as anxious to rise in his profession as the military or naval officer or the member of any other hierarchy but with the votaries of crime the apex of promotion is the gibbet mr miles says i have questioned many boys of shrewd understanding concerning their opinions and the opinions of their associates as to their ultimate fate for all thieves are fatalists they look upon their inevitable doom to be either sooner or later transportation or the drop it is difficult to imagine a state of more gloomy wretchedness and more despairingly horrible than the self-conviction of condign punishment without one gleam of hope to clear the melancholy perspective punishments and whippings are therefore useless for the mind is prepared to endure more and every imprisonment is only looked upon as another step in the ladder of their sad destiny the lad is hopeless consequently reckless in his conduct hardened to the present and irreclaimable as to the future it is not by prison discipline that reformation can be effected the temptations the facilities and the love of idleness are too alluring crowds of young thieves will wait round a prison-gate to hail a companion on the morning of his liberation and to carry him off to treat him and regale him for the day i have asked boys under sentence of transportation if they thought they could reform if returned again upon society and the general reply has been no their reasons for that conclusion i give in their own words if we were to be free to-morrow we must go to our old haunts and our old companions for where else can we go if we try to be honest we cannot for our pals associates would torment us to return in short we should only have to come back here at last but we are now going to another country where we hope to be honest men i have moreover questioned many lads as to what method they would adopt to prevent other boys from falling into crime and their remarks have been stop playing in the streets for a pocket is soon picked and there are many who show others how to do it and the next thing is to stop those cursed receivers 
for if a receiver knows a boy to have dealt with him that is to have sold him property he will make him go out to thieve he will never let him rest and even should we get into employment he will tease us till he makes us rob the master or will tell of us to the police these remarks prove the boys to be good judges of their own cases so like a skilful physician they know where to apply the remedy and as i feel convinced that many of these urchins possess every requisite to be good and useful members of society so am i certain that their reformation in a majority of cases is as practicable under proper means as their ultimate ruin is now certain under the present system note eighteen mr brandon in his preface to mr miles report makes the following observations which are too important to need any apology for their quotation if a religious fanatic brings a bill into the house for the better observance of the sabbath whose comforts are to be abridged why the poor man's and those of the middling classes for it is the stage-coaches and omnibuses that are to be prohibited from making their appearance while the streets may be thronged with carriages and though the labourer is not permitted to purchase his necessary food on that sacred day unable to have accomplished it before from not having received his wages till too late the preceding night yet the fishmonger may keep the turbot cool that is to grace his lordship's sunday table and send it home on the very day just in time to be prepared for dinner penny theatres too are decried and suppressed while the larger ones are permitted the reason assigned being that the company who frequent the former render the step necessary but the delinquency does not arise from cheap exhibitions it is from the inefficiency of the law to restrain the audience for in the plays themselves there is no improper language used holland a notorious thief in his examination said he had heard bad language at those places before the curtain drew up but never anything indecent on the stage this is a damning proof where the fault lies if the laws were such as to restrain vice and those properly administered it would effectually prevent the improper conduct of the loose individuals and preclude the necessity of reducing the pleasures of the poor pockets are picked every night at the royal theatres and scenes of the worst description carried on in the lobbies yet it never entered into the cranium of the wise acres that if the theatres were shut up these abominations would be effectually eradicated it is highly gratifying to witness the order and pleasure with which cheap diversions are conducted on the continent even so close to us as boulogne and calais where may be seen the lowest classes enjoying themselves in dancing and visiting the various public gardens the entrance to which is a fee equivalent to our penny another proof of the difference with which our laws are administered according to the parties affected is manifest in the proceedings against the various houses for play in the metropolis the clubs of the aristocracy and the little goes little hells etc of the poor end of section forty read by celine major